नमस्ते शोबिंदोज लाइफ इन बड़ोडा बिफोर ही टेक्स टू बींग अ फुल फ्लैजेड रिवोल्यूशनरी इफ यू मे से सो बट अगेन वेन वी स्पीक दीज वर्ड्स वी शुड बी केयरफुल इट्स लाइक वी ट्राई टू डिवाइड लाइफ इन टू स्लॉट्स बट रियल लाइफ इज नॉट रियल लाइफ इज ए टोटल मूवमेंट एंड दैट्स वॉट वी सी इन शोरबिंदो देर इज ऑलवेज दैट पोइट देर इज ऑल्सो द रिवोल्यूशनरी एज वी सेड इन द वेरी बिगनिंग ईयर्स दिज ऑल्सो एंड द रिवोल्यूशनरी हु इज नॉट जस्ट अबाउट रिवोल्यूशनाइजिंग द इंडियन पॉलिटिकल सीनेरियो बट ऑल्सो रिवोल्यूशनाइजिंग ह्यूमन थाट एंड इवेंचुअली रिवोल्यूशनाइजिंग योगा एंड the transformation of human nature so always we see that aspect we see the patriot we see the uh, philosopher and or prophet all these things are there in shurbindo and many others which perhaps the human tongue cannot utter but there is a side of shurbindo which i feel has been uh, either missed or not given adequate attention um, because of which sometimes we try to take a leap across a step which is important um and to try to do that is sometimes to slip and fall and that side is what chitranjan das uh, declared as the lover of humanity shobindo speaks of it in his poem who when he says the master of man and his infinite lover and where is he found he is close to our hearts had we vision to see why don't we see him we are lost in the pride and the pomp of our passions we are bound by our thoughts where we hold ourselves free how can we see the divine in the heart when we are lost in the pride when jab main tha tab hari nahi jab hari tab main nahi so this is the problem because of which we perhaps miss because it's also a civilizational problem that we see only that which we are so because of an analytical oriented society we even in the yogi we try to see only the thinker and that's all um because love is so much diminished it's a sign that we are blind uh, other day i was reading a paper somebody had written on gandhi and shurbindo non violence violence this that i felt like saying blah 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 <laughs> how can you put the two on the same pedestal if we as indians don't even understand the difference between a yogi and a thinker then it speaks very sadly to us and there is another one which uh, very beautifully i just read somebody sent me a whatsapp message very strong it is and i must read it it shows that what we are missing in life and that is an aspect of shurbindo which um, someone sent this to me because he had showed me in that um, in in the writing today morning so i told him can you send this to me so it is sweet mother luminous notes the head and the heart so somebody asked the mother about uh, school and other things so mother says what she is telling the teacher what you do not know how to distinguish between the heart and the head after having lived here for so many years what do they teach in the school not all this you don't know to distinguish between the heart and the head and the place he says it's the heart that has wings so very often people try to that you know it is the mother because of her devotion they they miss that shurbindo is as much that there is a unity of consciousness they walk the same path and when we look at shurbindo during baroda we see the heart of the lover of humanity 
where as i've said when he would bring the money he would place in a bowl and people would take it not that he didn't know that people would be stealing but he could understand that there is so much you know this poverty there is imbalance and it's okay if people take it so instead of their stealing and trying to you know ask both of these are very you know people sometimes think that was he careless about money somebody asked me that no no he must be keeping an account because he was you know mahasaraswati aspect so that's what i told the person that you missed the point he was not being careless about money when he kept it in the ball not at all he knew very well what he is doing but he didn't want that people should either ask him for money which depraves a person or people should steal because when you do this kind of imbalance that's what people will do and we remember that story in um, uh, early days of pondicherry before the mother's arrival when this um, one of the i mean money used to disappear from shirbindo's scanty <laughs> whatever he was receiving where he doesn't know what the next meal is going to be and at that point of time money used to disappear now it was very difficult time so one day Amrita and two others they decide that let us wait and find who the thief is and they see the boy used to get give milk comes puts the milk and um, then looks here and there nobody is around so he opens the drawer takes the 5 rupees 5 rupees in those days huh? shuts the drawer puts it in his cap and puts it and adjusts the cap and these three pounds upon him that they have found the culprit and at that point of time shurbindo warned by something within steps out and says let the boy free and amrita says when he looked when we looked at him we felt we are criminals <laughs> and how he would forgive one last time one last time nirodha recount that we knew that this last time is not the last time always he will say one last time this is the compassion that he brought with him in this world how else could he you know do what he did so we'll see some some of these aspects how shirvindu describes god we have conceptions of god no all kinds of conception god is we talk about impersonal brahman wonderful we talk about personal brahman then we talk about sagun nirgun and you will see scholars debating like anything then we speak about anant gun he is par brahm all these are fantastic things but it disconnects us from him isn't it he is sagun brahman god <laughs> his nirgun brahman lehin but it disconnects us him from us and shurubindo when there is one poem by the name god and what does he write there o thou thou who pervadest all the worlds below starts from there you are found even in the hell of darkest suffering yet sitest above yes you sit above but you pervade all the worlds below master of all who work and rule and know you are the master the sovereign the lord those who work for you obviously those who rule that's why in ancient times the rulers were regarded as you know they are representing the god who work and rule and know knowers oh you are a knower fine in one moment this entire knowledge can go away and can be poured in that poem we were speaking of the other day you know kutumi mahatma the master of all who work and rule and know yet yet is not there in the poem servant of love what what is his nature we speak about divine nature it has all these things look how shirbindo describes the divine nature in just few few lines servant of love o thou thou 
who disdainest not the worm to be. What is his kripa? Even a worm which reaches his abode. And we know that story of Shirbindo where the sparrow is sitting. And how he describes, Pujalalji describes that, you know, he is going to clean. Mother is standing at the door. Don't disturb the sparrow. It is sitting on the Lord's door. And we see how he would deal with dog and cats sitting on the his chair and he is not disturbing sitting on the edge of the chair. So there he describes that, O thou who disdainest not the worm to be, nor even the clod, worm is still living, clod. You know the only possession that Shurabindu got all the way when he came from Kolkata, Chandanagar to Pondicherry, the thing that he was carrying with him was the sand from Dakhineshwar. Who thou who disdainest not the worm to be, nor even the clod. Therefore, we know by that humility that thou art God. And the mother says, the only humble person I have known in my life, truly humble, is Shurabindo. It's easy to be humble when you have nothing. You know, somebody, oh sir, because matlab pura karna, you know, your selfish people can always be humble. But to be that great, mighty, all the powers are at his disposal, all knowledge. Then to be ambulant, see I suppose this is to be posted and a hundred hungry hands seizing to that is humility. And that's what we see in Shurabindu's life through and through. But most in his marriage. You see, Shurabindu, as we know, married Milani Devi. In a certain sense, she is daughter of the mountains. She was in Shillong. Fair and beautiful as a rose, she is described as rose. Even his mother was described as the rose of Peng- the rose of Rangapur. She was very beautiful, Sundata Devi. And Milali Devi and Shurabindo share a common name. You know what? Both mean the lotus. And uh, how they would have got married, 14 year old, she doesn't know about world. Very simple. Shurabindo describes her, Ki, you are very bully, you are very innocent. You easily, because she was from Brahmu Samaj, he says, anybody tells you anything, you believe it. Because, you know, uh, his life was dedicated to a much greater purpose. So how he would have got married, what he would have seen, what he would have felt, what kind of love was there in his heart. We just brush it aside and say, it's okay, he got married, then he walked away. And no, 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 that's absolutely to miss the point. So how he would have felt, did he ever experience the kind of human love that we feel with Human love is a step and without this step, if you try to jump across, well, if I go by the totality of the mother and Shurabindu's teachings, it's not possible. What is to be removed is all the vikritis of human love, which includes domination, possessiveness, jealousies and all the ugly things that has made love what it has become. But there is a beautiful love, a very human love. And we read one of the poems, um, and the poem is very simply, see these poems are not written for Mrilani Devi. Let me make it very clear, clear. Or at least we don't know. But somehow when, uh, whenever I think that okay today we will speak something and then something something starts coming. So these poems started coming in a row and with this idea of the kind of love that the Lord had. So I am taking that alone as a reference point. Not as a scholar somebody said oh he, because many of these poems are written much later. So, um, of course, these are poems written during his, uh, before he came to Pondicherry. 
1900 to 1909. So we don't know. Maybe it was during that period. But there are poems which is written much later, which describe the experiences which were there during Baroda period. So these people must must understand because somebody was asking that how you are touching upon this poem, whereas it it is from later period. Well, a poet carries these states of consciousness within and can bring them out and manifest at any point of time. Valmiki, who was in the mold, crying Ram, 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 and eventually realizing the Brahman, wrote the Ramayana, which is a fantastic story of love. Human love is their portrait. It doesn't mean suddenly Valmiki came out of the mound and fell in love. It doesn't mean that. But surely a poet's heart was there in him, who has experienced all these things at one level or the other. So this is. We have seen the plays, how Shurbindo's plays, all of them are romantic love, but lifted to what heights? So here is um, this is not a sanction for romance, by the way, but this is to understand that every activity of human nature can be and must be uplifted. So this is a poem called "Rose." I have loved Rose. I have loved thy beauty as I love the dress that thou hast worn. See in Savitri, there is a passage where when Savitri goes to uh, with Satyavan, she goes out. You know, in the one day she says, the day he is going to die, she asks permission from the parents that I have never been with him. Please allow me. He says yes. So Satyavan is showing her all the places where he had been. This he had seen, and she is rejoicing. And when Satyavan is leaving the body, that time everything that he had touched, everything that he had, you know, felt, all that she gathers inside herself. What kind of uh, divinely sensitive heart there must have been in Shurbindo. Rose, I have loved thy beauty as I love the dress that thou hast worn, the transient grass. Over which thy happy, careless footsteps move. This is there in Savitri also, by the way. If you remember, where it describes that this this grass which Satyavan has walked upon is very special, because he has walked on it. Over which thy happy, careless footsteps move. The yet thrilled waysides that have watched thee pass. So he is loving all the scenes that have now we understand. You know there are passages in Ramayana which people can't understand. You know human love between Rama and Sita lifted to what heights? So when Sita is, uh, you know, taken away by Ravana by force, not by force, because Sita says, "Okay, let's try this game. You want to play this game? Otherwise, you'll be annihilated by my mere presence." So Rama is going and asking every every tendril, every little creeper, "Have you seen my Sita? Have you seen my Sita?" So up there, Shivji is saying, "Sachidananda Brahmanaman," because this lila you cannot see. You cannot see human, be- divine, becoming human and loving like human beings. Human beings love, and we know that. That's what has become. We know. But when divine becomes human and loves, that is a lila which even the gods don't know, because they have different kind of love. They they don't have mortality. They don't have uh, kidnapping and all these things. Sometimes they have to experience. So uh, when Shivji sees and says, "Hey, Sachidanand Brahm," so Sati tells him, "What has happened to you?" He says, "Why? I know you. Time to time, take little. You know, <laughs> you are on a high." But today you seem to be totally on a high. Why you are saying Sachidanand Brahm to a person who, like an ordinary mortal, is saying Sita, Sita, where are you, my Sita? 
do you think there is even a trace of God? Shivji tells Sati, Sati, I may be on a high, but the kind of delusion you are suffering from, that is very dangerous. Get rid of it. But Sati doesn't understand. She wants to go and test. And as she comes, becomes like Sita and hides. Now he will see me and say, oh my Sita. But see the difference. It is not the form that can deceive a lover. It's the consciousness. So immediately, Rama understands the form is Sita's, but she is not Sita. So he says, Mata, why are you here? I am suffering in the viyog of my wife, missing her. Now if you remain here for long, the old man will suffer your absence. Go away. And then she is embarrassed. And as the story goes, that Shiva turns his face away. That you had the audacity to go and test the Lord. Don't you see that he is setting a noble... This is not Shiva's words, the last part. Setting the noblest and highest of examples for humanity. That if you must love, love this way. So here it is. Soul, I have loved thy sweetness as men love. The necessary air they crave to breathe. The sunlight lavished from the skies above. Love is universalized here. It's universalized into everything. And firmness of the earth, their steps beneath. So the way men love air, the way they love the sunlight, the way they love the earth, that's how I love you. Means you are my base, you are my uh, sky, you are the one who envelops me, you are my light and breath. But where that beauty all my love might see. Somebody else would say, oh wow, this is wonderful. But he says, no, it's not the only ultimate ideal of love. But where that beauty all my love might cease, like love of weaker spirits, when thy charm and grace of soul, mine might with age decrease. People often say love passes away in the heart. Yes, in weak spirits it does. So he says, why does it pass away? Because it cannot hold that fire, it's based on charm. So the moment charm wears off, then it love wears off. Because it's based on something very external. So he reveals to us that Like love of weaker spirits Where thy charm and grace of soul Mine might with age decrease Or fulfilled in death A silence and a term So it might either decrease or You know He knows how to walk the steps together See in Savitri What does Savitri say to When she knows that Satwan is going to die she says, why should I struggle against the old tables and the law? I too can walk with him in his steps. These were the high ideals that Shubhendu, you know, nurtured about even human love. And because he didn't want them to be degraded. That's why he said, first find the soul, be rooted in it. Don't look for soulmate without the soul. Because if it is not rooted in a higher truth, it will suffer the degradation. So that's exactly what he says. But rooted in the unnameable in thee. When love takes its origin beyond form and name, rooted in the unnameable in thee, shall triumph and transcend eternity. So this is the kind of love. And did it really happen? Well, yes. If we really look at Shurbindo's life, we know that, you know, she had uh, how Mrilani Devi, it was a life of, uh, you know, real tapasya and tyag, without a doubt about it. Because Shurbindo was, and we'll read a little bit about that poem, which would touch that part. But even after death, one is that when she leaves the body, 
and um, his father-in-law, Shubhendu's father-in-law. So he sends uh, he sends the telegram. So look at you know what these kind of ascetics and I must say nonsensical ideal which is preached. Oh, Natatu na bandhu, it's okay. What is there? No more father-in-law, no more wife. She's gone. That's the end of the story. No. That him is in a different sense that ultimately every truth derives from there. But we reduce it to, you know, something very trivial. Shubhendu on the contrary tells him there is not only that describes teardrop in the eyes of the divine. There is a teardrop in his eyes. This is the year 1918. It's not before he takes up the yoga. When on her way to meet Shurabindo, she dies. That's fated. But Shurabindo has a teardrop and he says, do whatever Brilali wanted to do. Because he must take his permission. No, he is the son-in-law. So what has to be done with her things, with property and everything? He says, do whatever Brilali wanted to do. And then she says, but however, can you send me some book of hers which is signed by her? Because I have nothing of her signed with me. Now imagine the world is craving for the Lord's signature. And the Lord remembers and says, Can you send something which is signed by her? And she comes back as it is said that she came back as Ishadi. We have those reminiscences. I mean, this is not something which one can say with absolute certainty. But since Niroda did write about it, so we can say to an extent that yes, and she did get a very special attention from Shurabindra and the mother. There are many stories of hers. So he doesn't forget, even in death, it's not like, okay, fine, I've walked away and I've cut my lines. That's not Shurabindra's yoga. Shurabindra's yoga is a yoga of divine perfection. And if we ignore the very material on which we have to build perfection, how are we going to build with what? So we are not going to come with a denuded spirit that I have no love in my heart, I have no thought in my head. Now, you know, transform me. You'll say, where is the material? <laughs> Someone asked the mother that, you know, why do we study? He says, we study to develop the mind. Somebody once told me, you know, when I had come, he said, I wanted to study this, that. Then I was told by, I won't name the person, someone into Shurabindu's yoga. What is the use of studying when ultimately you have to find the divine? You have to manifest the divine. This is not a yoga of just finding the divine. Finding the divine is the first step, indispensable step. It cannot be dispensed with. But we are here to manifest the divine and that is a big difference. So if the instruments are not developed, how can a heart uh, love God if it has not even loved man? That's what Shubhendu says in um, one of his aphorisms. They say that uh, they love God but they do not love men. Whom are they in love with then? <laughs> even when he describes the superman who easily becomes the servant of all. So that is the description of the superman. Superman is not sitting above and dictating, I am the superman, please do my deeds. He will say, I am the superman, therefore I will do what you cannot do. That's the sign of the superman, that he becomes the lowliest of the lowly, if need be. So we know that there was a big intellectual difference between the two. So how was it that, uh, what was that love? Normally we say, we don't match with each other. Because, you know, people try to think that is love. But look here what love Shirobindo manifests. He says, initially he describes the different forms of love, that the love for the body, the liking for corporeal gratification, 
beyond my liking for the beautiful body of a woman or for a fine picture or a pleasant companion or an exciting play or a clever speaker or a good poem or an illuminative and well-reasoned argument. There is my liking for somebody who has no justification or apparent reason. He says that there is a liking where you have some reason. Oh, she is beautiful. Oh, she has wonderful speech. Oh, she is so clever. Oh, she arranges everything so neatly and nicely. He says all that is a kind of love. But what is that love where there is no justification? Outwardly, apparently. If sensual gratification, this is not a poem, this is from Isha Vasya Upanishad. But it connects with that very beautifully. If sensual gratification were all, then it is obvious that I should have no reason to prefer one woman over another. And after the brute gratification, liking would cease. I have seen this brute impulse given the name of love. Perhaps I myself used to give it that name when the protoplasmic animal predominated in me. I mean in the sense that what is this love? People call love but it's nothing but a you know, gratification. It's not worth pursuing. Because Shurabindu lived like a brahmachari. And he says that. So probably you know that's the kind of impression that we get. This is not love. So he says that's how people begin. If emotional gratification were all, then I might indeed cling for a time to the woman who had pleased my body, but only so long as she gave me emotional pleasure by her obedience. Look at, you know, what a scathing understanding of human nature. Her sympathy with my likes and dislikes, her pleasant speech, the moment she says, you are a nonsensical fellow, (laughs) couch potato, gone. So... Her sympathy with my likes and dislikes, her pleasant speech, her admiration or her answering love. How beautifully threadbare he describes. This is the guru in Ishavashi Upanishad speaking to the student. But the moment this sees, my liking also will begin to fade away. This is what happens in normal life. When there is anger, quarrel or you know, you, I don't care for you, then finishes. That's the end because it's based on ego. This sort of liking too is persistently given the great name and celebrated in poetry and romance. Then if aesthetic gratification were all, my liking for a woman of great beauty or great charm might well outlast the loss of writing of age on her face. Or when accident marred her beauty, my liking would fade or vanish since the effect would lose the nutrition of a present cause. Hunger which is being said. That's why in Savitri he makes sure that death says your love is nothing but a emotional hunger. And Savitri says no my love is not a hunger of the heart. It is not a hunger of the flesh. And mother writes so powerfully love is not sexual intercourse. It is not an emotional gratification. It's a mighty vibration that comes from the one and goes to the one. And only those who are very strong and wide they can harbor it. So... That's why people are afraid of it. That's the main thing. Intellectual gratification seldom enters into the love of a man for a woman. Even if it did so, more frequently the intellectual gratification to be derived from a single mind is soon exhausted in day-long and night-long companionship. How long will you hear the bug bug? Same thing. After some time, the wonderful speaker and the wonderful this thing. It's okay. I know what you're going to say. Listen, listen to this fellow who speaks better. So intellectual gratification, one gets bored of hearing day-long and night-long companionship. I'm saying, look at the psychologist in Shurabindo. 
how he understand every shade and aspect of human nature and then he says whence then comes that love which is greater than life and stronger than death which survives the loss of beauty and the loss of charm which defies the utmost pain and scorn the object of love can deal out to be deal out to it which often pours out from a great and high intellect on one infinitely below it if you look at shurbindo and madlani uh, devi there is no comparison and the same thing we see with every human being where is the comparison at one point somebody asked him how does the divine um, the supramental being look at human beings thinking that you know he must be so shurbindo passing the remark like cats and dogs human beings like human beings look at cats the mother at one point remarks uh, even about oroville early years they are breeding like cats and dogs that's that's one but still one continues to love because one does love even cats and dogs o thou who disdainest not even the warm to be it's a different thing that people who were loved thought we are someone special that's a different thing you know after all the master's warm his master's dog is a big thing but not realizing that it is his love how they would come down to the animal make um, shubindu himself would take out from the fish the kata and then feed it to the um, cat and when kiki was leaving the body both mother and shubindu come down from the staircase and they receive her caressing her this is the kind of love they embodied if we can embody even 1% of that love i think rest of the path will open so he is saying where does that love come which continues to live on scorn and neglect and yet continues to love where does that love come when from an infinitely high intellect one loves somebody way below it what again is that love of women which nothing can surpass which lives on neglect and thrives on scorn and cruelty whose flames rise higher than the red tongues of the funeral pyre which follows you into heaven or draws you out of hell so that love of a woman which can that was the ideal of sati where she could draw a person out from the hell or ascend along with the person on to the pyre to heaven say not that this love does not exist and that all here is based on appetite vanity interest or selfish pleasure so he's saying don't say that that rama and sita ruru and savitri are but dreams and imaginations now marvel at the beauty of perfection of writing rama and sita ruru and savitri because ruru and savitri love it's almost like a not ruru's love is much way beyond priyamvata's love so it is like a one sided marvel of love and with savitri we see the great difference between her love that she has embodied and satyavan satyavan loves her surrenders her but this power that she embodies human nature conscious of its divinity throws back the libel in scorn human nature which is conscious of its divinity it says fight to you who judges love like this i am going to reveal what truly love is and poetry blesses and history confirms its verdict so people may say rama and sita look at all that but there is no rama without sita anywhere in any temple in the world that's the beauty of that love people may say what is this krishna is loving radha they never got married history confirms the verdict and you cannot imagine krishna without radha 
That is the kind of love that we see here. And then he speaks of friend. It's not only about love. What again is a friend? Certainly I do not seek from my friend the pleasure of the body or choose him for his good looks nor for that similarity of taste and pursuits. I would ask in a mere comrade. Nor do I love him because he loves me or admires me as I would perhaps love a disciple. Nor do I necessarily demand of him a clever brain as if he were only an intellectual helper or teacher. All the shades. So what really is the love of a friend? All these feelings exist but they are not the soul of friendship. No, I love my friend for the woman's reason because I love him because in the old imperishable phrase he is my other self. That's what Yagnavalk says to Matri. One does not love the wife for the sake of the wife but for the sake of the self. One does not love the child for the sake of the child but for the sake of the self. And Shobin, the first time I see how beautifully he explains. Nowhere else. I've read this story uh, way back and it sounded like, okay, you have to be trusty. But that's not what Shobindu says. That is one way of understanding. He says, as is the self, so is the love. When we live in the lower self, it is an egoistic love. And when we live in the greater self, it is the immortal love. That is the difference. For the sake of the self. That's how mother puts it. That it's very simple. She says, childishly simple. If you have the consciousness of the animal, your love is like an animal. If you have the consciousness of a human being, your love is like a human being. If you have the consciousness of a God, your love is like a God. She puts it, it's childishly simple. I have discovered the very self of me in him. That's how the divine loves us. Shubhindu says when he describes the yoga of divine love at the end, there is nothing impossible or denied to the God of uh, to the God lover, for He is indeed the self of the beloved. <laughs> Divine sees, okay, it's me loving in Him. So, um, I love Him because I have discovered the very self of me in Him, not my body or mind or taste of feelings. But my very self of love and bliss, of the outer respect of whom the Shruti has beautifully said, love is his right side. So is it with the patriot. Now he takes it still further. All this is going to be. So also with the patriot. He has seen himself in his nation and seeks to lose his lower self in that higher national self. When Mother was asked how we can help India, she said, find your psychic being. Let your psychic being Love the soul of India deeply. Now, you know, first step is itself. Most <laughs> it is the soul which must love. Not just that, you know, my nation because my custom, my culture. Then people start creating divide. Arya, Dravidya divide. First of all, a false divide. No, no, I am uh, Gujarati, I am Bengali. Sorry, wrong side I pointed. I am, uh, you know, Odia and I am Kashmiri and I am this. No, it's not none of these reasons. The soul of India is one and indivisible. The day we all can say, wherever we are, I am an Indian. Then we, Bharatwashi, then the real soul of India will become. And feel it in our heart. Because he can do so, we have a Mazzini, a Garibaldi, a John of Arc, a Washington, a Pratap Singh or a Shivaji. The lower material self could not have given us these. You do not manufacture such men in the workshop of utility. 
You can't build such men by, okay, crash course in patriotism. You can't build them in the workshop of utility. They are born with that fire inside. Develop the self and this love will come. On the forge of charvak or grow them in the garden of Epicurus. So you can't do them this way. So is it with the lover of humanity who loses or seeks to lose his lower self in mankind. No enlightened selfishness could have given us Father Damien or Jesus or Florence Nightingale. So is it finally with the lover of the whole world of whom the mighty type is Buddha. This is Shobindra's humility. Nowhere he is mentioning. That's the love I harbor for. <laughs> Otherwise people are so busy and happy. You know, this is the love I have brought for everybody. He's saying mighty type is Buddha. The one unapproachable ideal of divine love in man. Why unapproachable? Because that love and compassion turning away from his own dissolution, nirvana. That I will not turn away till a single soul is suffering. Amitabh, Matri, Amitabh. That is the kind of love he harbors. He who turned from perfect divine bliss as he had turned away from perfect human bliss, that not he alone but all creatures might be saved. Shubhita deeply appreciated this ideal of Maitreya Amitabha. Uh, this is there in Mahayana Buddhism. That Buddha, when he is on the threshold of Mahanirvana, dissolution, he turns back and says, No, I have rejected the human bliss, I reject this bliss also. Till, and that's what we see in Savitri. Actually, there is a point wherein Savitri, she is offered all this. And Savitri says that even the charm of thy voice cannot ensnare my soul. I climb not to thy everlasting day, even as I have shunned thy eternal night. I do not climb to that. Earth is the chosen place of the mightiest souls, the heroic spirit battlefield. The place where the arch mission forges his work. So this is the kind of love, the lover of humanity. So people may say all this is very fine, but well, you know, she suffered. Well, we don't know what really transpired between the two. And often we speak about, because we are small, we think the life of great people are also lived on a small scale. It's on a mega divine scale. We cannot understand what would have transpired the night Buddha left Yashodhara and, uh, you know, his son Rohit. And walked away. What he would have experienced? We think that he was heartless. No, he was moved by the pain of entire mankind. He left at night because he didn't want them to suffer. And he knew that I won't be able to fulfill my mission. So too we see with Sri though he was married, never really led a married life of comfort. And Why? Because one, he is a brahmachari. Second, he knew he has to prepare for a great goal. Third, his marriage took place in 1901. And 1902... He plunges into, uh, you know, that's when the revolutionary activity started. In 1902, Bhagajatin, he came and a group of revolutionary and then it started in 1905. He completely abandoned everything and went to the freedom movement. So what must have happened during that one year period, April 1901, the only thing that we know is that he went for uh, to Nainital along with the Maharaja for holidaying but there also he says Maharaja had a strange idea of holiday he carried all his files and he expected Shurabindu to do all the works so he says that well that was his idea of funny idea of holiday that he was carrying all the work with him and Shurabindu was doing and there he writes about that experience that he has while climbing you know it's in Kashmir climbing on the hill of 
Shankaracharya where he has that uh, beautiful experience. We'll read it and then we'll uh, come to that last bit. I walked on the high-weight seat of Solomon when he has gone to Kashmir. This is that experience where Shankaracharya's tiny temple stands facing infinity from time's edge alone on the bare ridge ending earth's vain romance. So how he experiences, you know, you have seen these, these are very beautiful sites. Uh, for instance, to, to take a look at the drift valley in Kenya, you can see it from a height, you know, how the earth drifted and India broke away from that portion and um, joined in Gujarat. So now you understand why many Gujaratis transmigrate to Kenya. Because there is an old placental bond, way before there was even human civilization. And why to India? Because, well, all the people from the West went in search of India and landed up in America. But they found some natives whom they called Red Indians. So, but India heard its cry and said, Oh, you were looking for India, India will go there and repopulate you. <laughs> so now you have Indians. <laughs> so that apart, this is Advaita. When he is standing on that Takht Suleiman where he sees entire, you know, there is a deep, valley and far beyond are the mountains, ridge. Around me was a formless solitude. He had the experience of the Advaita, the mental infinite, experience of the infinite. Actually, somebody else would call it the experience of the infinite because Shurabindo went to the supermind, he distinguishes. Like with somebody's experience of Nirvana, our Jiddu Krishnamurti says it was a mental experience. It is not the true experience of the self. But an experience in the mind. So that's why in Savitri we have this in the self of mind. Where the same experience is described. But the real experience is in pursuit of the unknowable. Where you truly have that experience which Buddha would have had. So there is a difference between this kind of self-reflection or realization. And the real self-realization which somebody like Buddha had. Cutting off all the lines and going beyond. And of course Shobindu went yet further. An unborn soul reality, world mute, world nude, topless and fathomless, forever still. A silence that was being's only word, the unknown beginning and the voiceless end, abolishing all things, moment seen or heard. On an incommunicable summit reigned, a lonely calm and void unchanging peace on the dumb crest of nature's mysteries. This is the experience which many people mistake for the true nirvana. It is still in the mind. So Shivinda uses the word, it's a mental infinite. That's where in the mind you experience that. And it's nirvana experience comes much later. He'll describe that. And this last bit that what may have transpired between 1901 to 1902 he is plunged into revolutionary activity. Imrilani Devi went back. She never really joined him after that. Um, except that after the jail, Alipur jail, when Shrubindu comes back, then he has a dinner with her and doesn't even stay for the night. That's a different story altogether and we'll speak about it later. Because by then he was so deeply rooted in the divine consciousness. Uh, they had all arranged that he has come and Milani Devi has also come along with her father and uh, they all planned that we will send Sejda for a dinner and after the dinner you lock the gate don't let him come and they planned all these Charu Chandra Dutt and everyone 
playing a prank. And Shurabinda is just smiling and he goes there. And they've even brought some scent for him and some mala. And Shurabinda is just he's all right. I mean, he's a lord. He's not trying to put up a show of, you know, don't you know, how dare you do? Nothing. So with all that, he goes. And in the morning, they decide, oh, wow, let's, you know, let's get up late. No hurry to make tea. Now Shurabinda will come back. Then we'll have. So they go up. They see Shurabinda is sitting, reading the newspaper with a cup of tea. So they say, they're shocked. What? When did you come back? Oh, I came back at night. I explained to her. She understood everything. That's all. I explained to her. She understood everything. What he would have explained? Now, this is what. <laughs> Not in so many words. But the feeling, the bhava. So as I was feeling that what could have transpired, this poem propped in the mind like pop-ups. So it was Urvash, uh, Ulupi. So we know the story of Ulupi where Arjuna marries Ulupi for only one year. She is also known as Chitrangda. So Ulupi is a northeastern princess. And uh, there is a lot of details in the story but to just make it short uh, because this poem, this part is wonderful. He marries her for one year, has a child through her. Shubhintu remained a brahmachari, of course. And then he comes, comes away. Why? Because great deeds call him. The Mahabharata is yet to happen. This is during that period when he is, you know, one year away. So he is actually told by Yudhisthira that you have to be away for one year. Because, why? Because he entered the chambers of Yudhisthira by default. Uh, because he had to pick up the Gandhiv. And there was an understanding that each year Draupadi will be with one of the five princes. And during that time, nobody will. That's the only way she could maintain the law of loyalty and fidelity, sanctity. At the same time, she could fulfill the mother's promise. This amazing kind of solution the five brothers brought out at that point of time. So, during that year, if anybody entered, he had to be punished. So, Arjuna entered and the punishment was supposed to be Prandand. So, but then, you know, they are told, ki, no, no, abandoning him is as good as that. He is a Kshatriya. So, he goes and then he wanders. So, now Ulupi falls in love with him. So, he is in conflict that, but I am already married. How can I have love with her? And then she explains that, look here, right now, for one year, you don't belong to her. You still think that you belong to her. So, that logic appeals to him. After all, Arjuna, no, he is, he says, <laughs> So, he gets married, they have a child. The child later, you know, is, becomes very famous. But then he comes back. So what may have transpired? Something like this. And this where we see, not that it actually transpired or Shurabinda and Milani Devi, this would have happened. But again, I am saying that this is the state of consciousness in which the great live. So Ulupi, this is the last part. Arjuna tells Ulupi, next morning he has to leave. Let us not lose then, O Chitrangda, her name is also Chitrangda, one moment's possibility of love, which being squandered, we shall then regret. Fate that united once, may when she will, divorce, but cannot the sweet meaning spoil of these warm kisses. He embraced her wholly, confounding her with bliss, so for that time, the shadow fled and joy forgot his clothes. Look at the line. For a moment that he has to go away tomorrow, the shadow fled. And joy forgot to close the chapter. 
because they are in that state what a perfect what what that moment would be where the feeling is of eternity what shubindu is trying to say is that that moment of love is the feeling of eternity that intensity is the moment of eternity where joy forgets its close and the shadow flies he describes this later on in synthesis you see all these things i he had gone through all this experience he says love seeks union and it seeks intensity of union and eternity of union but in human consciousness you can either have intensity or you can have eternity eternity even otherwise it requires you know to go beyond he says it's only the divine love which can fulfill this need it's no way that you can have just as a human being but one pale morn chitrangda rose van and to the stable through the grey hushed place descending with a little deft hands yoked arjuna's courses to the car this is the one yeah because there are two of them but the page is correct arjuna's courses to the car shurbindu writes arjuna with you because that you know in poetry word is important the sound is important and when he learned bengali arjuna he writes even ashupati if you notice in the earlier draft is you ashupati so sound is very important in poetry it's not about the spelling but the sound so arjuna arjuna's courses to the car the the horses persuading thrust in their winning mouths the bit fasten the traces and with a strange deep look of love and hate looking at the horses there you are going to take away arjun tomorrow so there is a feeling of love and hate mixed look at the beauty of shubindu kare singh said faint with her unshed tears what a marvel of perfection this is she is having tears in the eyes but she doesn't want to weaken her husband and she has feelings of love for these horses which will bear the one whom she loves most but also hate that they are going to take take him away far she says them tells them you brought him here who now shall bear away oh horses yoked to fates look at the description she is speaking to the horses oh horses yoked to fate how often yet will you deceive us shaking wide your manes and trampling over women's hearts with you hoofs where all you will go and with this valiant shivaras warrior around this is not the only with me this is going to happen because he's a uh, you know warrior and it may happen again thunderous towards battle yet your breed perhaps shall bring him to my wrinkled age one day perhaps you will bring him back when i am old indeed arjun does go back and that's much after the war and that's another story altogether when his own son awaits him and according to one of the mahabharata even kills him which i don't believe really happened <laughs> kills him and he's reborn because olupi and you know she is a nagkanya and she knew all the magics but i don't believe this story it's not in the original mahabharata but he does go back according to one of the legends and now arjuna came his mailed and resonant red rang in her very heart his corslet blazed towards the chill skies and his heroic form seemed to consent with the surrounding hills so now he has come dressed as a hero the lover and the husband is gone 
And so she looks at him that he looks like the blazing hill. Simon, look at the description of Arjuna, how Shivinda described. But in the marble face and eyes august, the light of his tremendous fate had dawned. Suddenly she sees in his face and his eyes that fate which he is carrying with him. Like a great sunrise, calm her shuddering body. This again only the Lord can write. Old and feeble he came carrying the fate and doom of an empire. So calm. You can either be calm or you can be shuddering. She is calm outside. But her face is shuddering. You know this kind of, this called in art, the greatest artist can mix shades of emotions which are opposite. And several places we will see in Shurabindo this master art. In fact, mother says, one of the signs that you can hold the supramental force, she, she goes on to say, when you can combine the opposites, because ultimately in supermind you combine. When you can combine the opposites together, that is one of the signs that you are ready for the supramental force. Or the supramental force is working, exact reference. So here there is a combination of calm, her shuddering body, he took into his bosom and with no word, under the witnessing, unmoved heavens, kissed her pale lips, then to his car he rose. What a perfection and beauty of the whole image. And now she did not weep, but silently took and returned his kiss. Perfection. It's not like, okay, he said, tata, bye, bye, hi, bye, okay, I have to go, I have to catch a train. Look at the beauty and marvel at the perfection of the Lord. He kissed rose into the car. She returned the kiss. And so he went forth. And where does he go forth? Thundering the great wheels, jarred upon the stones. He is going now in the ulupi of the white coat and echoes fill the air. As the ear is filled by the echoes of the hoofs, he is standing with a triumph of warlike sound. Outside, the city's nobles waiting saw the car. Emerged and bowed down to the king. They spoke no word, but stood austerely watching still, a mist over their stern and savage eyes. They are warriors, fierce warriors. And even Ulupi was a, they meet each other in, basically in war. When he has gone there, she challenges him. And Adrian says, Are you sure you want to challenge me? Thousands of people. Get pale when they hear my name. And you really want to challenge me? <laughs> that is how the, their meeting is described in another poem, Chitrangda, which is about the same but it remains incomplete. His going as men in darkness watch a light, carried away that cheered them for an hour, then turned back homeward. But Chitrangda waited till the last thunders died away, and far off on a hill, the warlike flag waved in the breeze and dipped below the edge. Then to her chamber, slowly went alone. So there is a very, this long poem, where she actually tells Arjuna that I want you to be here, but I know that mighty deeds call you. You are not meant to be tied like this, and I release you from my heart, from my, you know, from this uh, whatever bondage, because you are meant for mighty deeds. This much she understands. You are not meant for these domestic activities. And then we understand that Shurabindo once remarked semi-humorously, 
I refused to be domesticated and called Abba. <laughs> and, uh, some ladies started calling him Baba, Papa. And then the news reached, they are calling you like this. He said, I refuse to be domesticated. He said that I am a very poor husband and, uh, you know, house this thing. Because he was born for something which is much mightier. So these, but even these things which are, which are done, are done in a mighty spirit. They are not done casually. It's not that he said, okay, I am just going because, you know, I am a very important person. Don't disturb me. Not like that. That moment when they were together, what may have transpired, what kind of love she would have felt. And then no wonder, all her life she also loved him like anything. Other, you know, not like, oh, he left me and went away. When Shubindu is in jail, she goes to Masharda and asks her that, you know, when will he be, will he be released? He says, oh, mother has taken him. Divine mother has taken him in her hands. He is not just your oro. He will not only be released, but he is not meant only for this. He is meant for the whole world. And she very well knew. And that last reminiscence, what she must have felt in his heart, when he would have shared these things. So when, once they are sitting on Shillong, so there is this line where daughter of the northeast, of the hills in the northeast, all that comes. So when he is sitting in Shillong, on top of the um, one of the hills and it's a beautiful city looked at from above with the lights and Shurabindu's sister is also there Sarojini and uh, Sarojini says see how beautiful this city is no? Tumrilani Devi tells sir you know there is a much more beautiful city in the heart of your dada that city is of course its seed is ashram Auroville is its extension and the world is that city which will become Thank you.